world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, Diane's special guest expert, rehabilitation specialist for the blind, Jill Figelis, is here to share some great tips and resources for helping the visually impaired live their best lives ever. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard to Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. Growing old has its challenges. Growing old blind, well, that's a total game changer. Whether loss of sight is caused by genetics, infection, disease, or injury, it can significantly, perhaps more than any other physical challenge, Limit a person's ability to live an independent life. Normal daily activities like shopping, climbing stairs, pouring a cup of coffee, making a phone call, reading, and even dressing become much more challenging, if not all but impossible, as sight diminishes. Blindness and low vision can affect more than just our independence and daily routine. Loss of sight can dramatically reduce a person's ability or desire to socialize and meet new people, which impacts negatively on their emotional health as well. And because the eye is responsible for providing information to the brain, loss of vision can alter balance and contribute to falls. My guest expert this week has spent her entire professional career helping the blind and visually impaired overcome their challenges and live their lives to the fullest. She has a list of credentials so long, it would take the rest of the show to read them. So I'll give you the cliff note version. Jill Figelis is an expert in blind and low vision rehabilitation. She holds academic degrees in blind rehabilitation, orientation and mobility, and sociology, and advanced degrees in developmental disabilities and gerontology. Throughout her 37-year career, she has worked with everyone from infants to seniors. Jill is one of those rare, dedicated, and passionate healthcare professionals who, at the end of the day, still loves what they do and can't wait to wake up and do it all over again. And fortunately for us, she's taking time out of her busy schedule to share some of her hard-earned knowledge with our Parents Are Hard to Raise family. Jill Figelis, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're so glad to have you. So can you tell us about yourself and what you do? Sure. What I do is called blind rehabilitation. And what I do is I, I meet with the person. My career is zero to seniors. However, I'll speak of seniors during this show. And what I do is I walk, I drive up. And from the minute I drive up to that person's home, I start looking around to evaluate for safety 
for when I walk in the house, anything I can do to evaluate their life skills, life responsibilities, life their their tasks, their daily living tasks, and I, you know, go through the, you know, in my head of all I've done to see what I can possibly do to enhance their safety, their confidence, and their independence with their living daily living skills. So if I walk up there and there's no rails on the, the porch right. that they're walking up, if the steps are broken, that already is a red flag. If I see flower pots all over the stairs or, you know, anything yeah. uh, that, that sparks that there might be a problem, you know, that's written down to me. Then I'll walk in and, you know, I'll look at the clutter in the house. I'll see if there's wires on the floor, clutter, uh, garbage, overpacked with furniture. You know, that's another yeah. marker. Then, you know, I'll get into, you know, I'll go in to the kitchen situation. I'll look at how they're managing with their cooking, if they're burning themselves, if they're, like you said, if they overpour a drink. Uh, we've got adaptive devices for all these things, for organizational techniques. Um, you know, and, and so what I do is I go room through room with right. them in the home um, and just, again, with my experience and my knowledge and the adaptive devices that are available now, I will make my list of everything I can think of that can possibly, again, enhance their safety, their confidence, and their independence, as well as as I sit with them, I'll listen to their story. I'll, I usually want any family member that's around to join us. I'll listen to what they do in their daily life, yeah. what they've given up with, with their visual, vision impairment, um, what I can do to be creative, to get them back on track, to get them, you know, it, it, it's a devastating loss, your vision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, th- what happens is people will, you know, very factually go into depression. Yeah. So we will, you know, I'll do psychosocial um, type of work to counsel them to avoid that if I can. And as you say, stories, I can go on and on with stories of, you know, what I can do and uh, adaptive devices that I can do to add to this person's life to try to, again, get them back on track. The only thing I can't do for them is get them their driver's license back. That's what most of them want. You yeah, know, that's yes. what most of them wish they can. I think that's also the hardest thing that they, yeah. you know, have to give up. But besides that, we can do most anything else now. So, Do you, mm-hmm. do you find, um, I guess, with the seniors, do you find that they're truthful or they kind of feel... Uh, it's hard to admit that maybe they can't see or do what they could do before? Well, you know, I've learned to be a chameleon <laughs> when I, I really have. When I, when it, I, you know, I don't know the face when I, I, through my work, I get an address, a phone number, I read their medical record, but when I walk in, I don't know who I'm going to meet. Right. Um, I cover, I cover the whole, actually two states, and I, just knock on a door. So as soon as I see that person just with experience, and that really just comes with experience, you can't get that out of the book, I kind of can eye it up almost immediately what, what's going on. Yeah. And, um, you know, you could just tell the posture, the look, Aww. everything. It, it just yeah. kind of happens automatically. 
And when I kind of take that in, that, that helps me present. What I need to do as a blind rehab therapist is I have to earn their trust. Yeah. And, you know, you know, so I, I work whatever I can inside of me to make them feel comfortable with me. And we'll sit, we'll talk, we'll get to know each other a little bit. And then, again, you know, this doesn't come out of a book. I've been doing this a long time. Right. But I have to say, I have, a, I have a pretty high success rate that I do get people to talk and really open up about what's going on. Yeah. And then I try to give, I try to give them the tools on how to, you know, adjust to what's going on. And, you know, it is, it's a lot of counseling. Yeah. And... And, you know, besides all the the physical work that we do, you know, with the, with that I do with the, uh, again, adaptive devices. And I mean, the, the country, unfortunately, is like a virus of this macular degeneration. Yes. Macular, yes. And with the elderly. I mean, we've got diabetic retinopathy. We've got macular degeneration. We've got retinitis pigmentosa. We've got glaucoma. They all, all these diseases give different results to what you're going to see. But I have to say my caseload is mostly macular degeneration, which takes away people's central vision. So they have a little bit, usually we call it a sweet spot, out of the side of their eye. Okay. And we try to, we try to help them find that sweet spot and move it forward that they do huh. have some vision. And a lot of them don't know that. Right. A lot of them also think bigger is better. So when I walk in and there's a TV the size of the wall, right. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's that little bit of, um, you know, tunnel vision that you have out of the side of your eye. You can't take in all those pixels, you know. Yeah. So they they need to get a smaller TV. Actually, the old 19-inch black and white would have been the best. Wow. Because that can, yeah, that can sit in front of them and they can take in, you know, with their, their tunnel vision better than these huge TVs. So a lot of families walk, you know, do things thinking they're doing better yeah. for their parents, um, but they're not. It's actually worse, you know. And then I walk in and the TV's right in front of the window. And I'm like, no, <laughs> the glare, the glare, the glare. The biggest enemy of macular degeneration is glare. So you want to put the room almost in darkness so that the the, the you know every yeah. light of the TV and it stands out to them. So the mantra that I say for macular degeneration, living with it, is reduce your glare as much as possible and enhance contrast. So we want black on white, white on black. So I'll tell them we'll go into the kitchen. Yeah, and I'll say, all right, I want you to try to pick up my white piece of paper off the white counter. They can't do it. But if I put down my black phone on the white counter, they pick it right up. So I huh. tell them, please, go over to the dollar store, get a white plate and a dark plate, get a white mug, get a white bowl, get a dark bowl, put your meat on the white plate, put your coffee in a white mug, put your pills on a dark towel so they don't roll on the floor or over a dark bowl when you're pouring the pills out into the, you know, to take them. Right. Yeah, we need high contrast, low glare. Low glare and high contrast. We're going to continue talking with Jill Fagelis. But if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. 
Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard To Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku, and like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. So, Jill, we were talking about um, when you walk into a home and there's certain things you may notice that, you know, families think like the huge TV. You think someone with a vision impairment, that would be wonderful, but it isn't. So what other common problems might you see? When I go into the bathroom, um, people think it's, it's nice to put a pretty rug down and... Yeah. You know, aesthetically, yes, the beige floor with the beige rug looks very pretty with the beige towels and, you know, everything matchy-matchy. That's the worst thing you can do for uh. people that are visually impaired. 
you need to do, again, contrast. So I tell people, put get rid of these rugs. Go If you have a light color floor, go get a rubber-backed dark bath mat. Put it right to the edge of the tub or the shower walk-in that, you, that the person coming out with low vision, and they might be a little blurry and steamy from the shower, see that dark mat on the white floor, so you know, hopefully to prevent a fall. Right. If they need to grab a towel off the the basin, get a dark towel. If you have a, a white beige, you know, opposite, light, dark, dark, light, right. opposite of what is already there. Um, you know, uh, again, contrast, contrast in all areas of their life is like the best tip I could possibly give for macular degeneration. When they walk outside, glare, again, very, very sensitive eyes with macular degeneration. Yeah. Actually, with all with all the eye diseases, wear a hat with a visor. You know how at the beach you put your hand up over your eyes to reduce the glare? Right. you got to remember, the sun is coming from above. So the sunglasses are great, but it's really the sun is coming from above. So what you want to do is reduce the glare by a hat with a visor that stands out, you know, out, reducing the glare, Put on the sunglasses as well. Again, the glasses you see out with the shield in the front and the shield in the side are very helpful because that not only takes the glare and reduces that, but it'll reduce the wind if you're dealing with dry eye as right. well. So, so you definitely should do that. Um, of course, I can get into, you know, I'm an orientational ability instructor, so that's dealing with the white cane. In okay. the country... and. In the country and out of the country, people carrying the white cane have the right of way. It is a law. And when you're walking, a cane standing out in front of you, you know, clearing your path is the best thing you can do when with macular degeneration, as I told you, you have no central vision, which means you have no depth perception. So what you want to do through an O&M instructor is... You know, not go by your cane yourself. Every state has a commission for the blind. You, it's free of charge. As you pay, I believe, I shouldn't say this, but I believe as you pay in your taxes, that it's all a benefit to you. You can call your, your commission for the blind in the state. An orientation and mobility instructor will come out. They'll measure you for the right size cane. They'll show you how to use the cane. They'll put the right tip on it. And now, as you use your cane, if you've got a good balance, you will clear your path in front of you as you're walking down a step to know the height and the you know depth of the step, the right. rise of the step. If there's a pothole, if there's cracks in your sidewalk, it's always going to tell you what's coming. So it's a very vital tool that people with very low vision yeah. should use. Yeah. If you don't have a good balance... Even if you do have the rollator, yeah. you know what the rollator, uh, you know, it's like the souped-up walker. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the seat and the basket. You know, we can even tape them with the white and the red as a mobility instructor so that you're identified to the public as visually impaired to blindness huh. so that you get respect and the law covers you, you know. Yeah. So it's, again, very important. And, again, safety. It will prevent falls because the cane is always going to give you reaction time to the problem. 
So you want that cane in front of you. You know, again, the mobility instructor knows the right right size and your gait and has to measure everything and teach you correctly how to use it. Right. But again, it's such a wonderful tool, simple and wonderful tool to prevent falls and give you independence again. I've had people that have sat in their home for two years after their vision has failed and they're just afraid to get out of that chair. Aww. But then, then a mobility instructor or someone, you know, like myself with the other skills comes in, gives them the right tools, gives them the right instruction Hopefully, you know, dealing with counseling builds up the confidence. They're out there within an hour. They're getting their mail again. Uh, They're taking out the garbage. They might be walking to the corner store. And people, you know, people need a purpose in their day. If you don't have a purpose in your day, you get depressed. Yes, right. You you, You can't give up, though. You can't give up. There are so much... There, there is beyond. I can't. I, I can't do it in this one show. But there is so much help by people that have been trained as myself to offer people that are going through this, and we can totally change somebody's quality of life in an hour. So you know, really, I, I really want people to know that. And again, um, just call your local clinician for the blind, or if you're a veteran through the VA, um, they should definitely get involved with that, for sure. I mean, I have been doing this long enough that I remember the days of, we call it the Braille writer and the Slayton stylus, which are still used today. Yeah. But unfortunately, using those that communication, people couldn't get work because what could you do as a blind, visually impaired person? Nobody could read your Braille, really, at work, right. even if... You took a phone call, who can read your Braille? Or how are you going to even know how to stack a shelf where? Like, it was very limited work for sure. the blind and visually impaired. Nobody appreciates technology more than me. I'm old, I'm not that good at it, but <laughs> I appreciate it like crazy because it has opened the world for the visually impaired and blind. There's apps on the phone now, um, Seeing AI app free. You download it, you put your phone over the material you want to read, it takes a picture and reads it to you. Oh, wow. You can, yes. You can put it over something, it'll tell you color. It'll tell you, it can take a picture of me, the person that's blind can hold it up, take a picture of me, and it'll tell you how to frame it in. It takes a picture of me. And then the next time it finds me, it'll tell the person Jill you know, um, to recognize. It's a wonderful app. Yeah. Uh, there's what a, there's a million apps. There's other, I, I, I mean, I don't, it's seeing AI, okay. seeing, seeing AI. It'll tell you the design, seeing S-E-E-I-N-G-A-I. Okay. It's a wonderful app <coughs> that will open up a blind person's world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, the Google, the Alexa, all that kind of stuff now, um, amazing. That helps people, you know, ask at the time, the day, the weather, right. uh, you know, where they can't see a thermometer, they can't see their watches anymore. But we have talking clocks, talking watches, color identifiers, um, money identifiers, um, templates, if people are they don't want to really sign their name anymore because they think it's so sloppy. Yeah. Put a little a little credit card down with the window cut out. It's called a signature guide. 
and they can keep it in their wallet, and they just ask the person to put the guide down where they want the signature signed. They put it down, and they have, like, a little lip on it so the people can nicely sign their name again. Oh, that's you know? right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so there's... much out there that we want people yeah. to feel. We don't want them to give up, you know? We want them to be right back into the world. And uh might take a little training, a few little adaptive devices, but... um you know, a blind person at this point could be president of the United States. You know, yeah. I tell people they're they're the same intelligent person. Right. They just they just don't see as well. And you know, with technology and some training, we can get around that now. It's so, wonderful. I mean, it's you know, they can live their lives. Exactly. There, I my my people. I say, don't say the word no to me. Don't say the word no. <laughs> I don't know that word. I don't know that word. No, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I always ask people when you were talking about a little bit maybe with sadness and depression. Yeah. I'm like, tell me, tell me what you used to do that made you happy. What was your hobbies? What, what did you enjoy doing? And over the years, oh, I've had, I would have loved to continue to plant my vegetable garden. Oh, my God, that's an easy one. Let's go out there. We'll get some big flower pots. Maybe we'll put the potato, the tomato plants in one. I'm like, you tell me now. You you can't plant it in the dirt. It's contained in the pot. Uh. As it grows, you feel the leaf. You feel the vegetable. You know, we went through the whole thing. Yeah. I've done it in a patio, like a square. I'll put a stake at one end, a stake at the other end. I'll tie knots where we drop the seed so they can feel it down. Right. As, you know. Yeah. And then feel it as it grows. And I'll never forget at the end of the summer, the man gave me a big basket of vegetables. (laughs) Oh, that was so sweet. Um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 There's so much I I could go on about. but People are reborn. Yes. You know, literally. There's so much you can go on about. We are definitely going to have you on another show. And if our listeners have questions for Jill... Uh, just email me at Diane at Parents Are Hard to Raise, and I will get them to Jill. This was a wonderful episode. Jill, thank you so much. My pleasure. And Parents Are Hard to Raise family, I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org, or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.